Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Welcome to episode 19 of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. I'm your host, of course, Ashley Ray. I'm so excited for this episode, as I say every episode. But this week, I have Kimberly Drew here. Kimberly is someone I've looked up to for so long. Back in college, I used to read her Tumblr all the time. Just so excited to to talk to her about TV. I could talk to her all day. So we'll get to that. But of course, first up, I have the watch list. Yes, it's the watch list. It is that time when I tell you everything I've watched over the last week, and then I give you my pick of the week, the one thing out of that giant list that you should actually watch. This week's watch list, again, pretty long. I think if you listened to last week's episode, you could tell I've been a little down, been a little depressed. But hey, me being depressed just means I'm watching more TV for you. So let's get into it. I got back into Evil Lives Here which I've talked about on the show. I uh, wrote about it on the newsletter, which again, you can always subscribe to the newsletter if you you want all of these updates in real time in your inbox, uh, ashleyray.substack.com. But I, I've talked about Evil Lives Here, this really great true crime series on Investigation Discovery that is now on the Discovery Plus app. It's one of my favorites because it is the way that they care about the survivors and the victims is so wonderful. And I I feel like there are a few true crime shows that allow victims the space to share their story in a way that is just supportive and safe without it really just seeming, you know, focused on on something really alluring and, and their victimhood. And there's an episode that is specifically about this man who directed the Fuji's Killing Them Softly music video. And it's about just how he was this horrible person who was like doing terrible, awful, horrible things to his daughters and wives and was just this monster while also producing and directing these amazing videos and like making a name for himself in hip hop. And this wasn't like when I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God, this must have been so long ago that no one talks about it. And I looked and this was like early 2000s. And it's just odd to me that something that probably should have been so big that should have like caused a lot of people to ask questions in the hip hop community. It was just so overlooked. But then Evil Lives Here, I mean, this episode that I'm talking about came out like years ago. Evil Lives Here has a lot of stories where they really focus on Black women as victims, which is really what to me is so different. I think most true crime shows still are very focused on like, pretty white people, you know, where they think the draw is. But Evil Lives Here, I think more than any other show, really allows Black women who have been victims of domestic violence and abuse to tell their stories. And I obviously, with everything going on right now in the world with like T.I. and Nikki, I, I just thought it was so interesting that Evil Lives Here is this very like mainstream true crime show that isn't afraid to tell these stories. But of course, you know, they're, the hip hop logs and stuff aren't aren't <laughs> covering it. I enjoy watching it because I, I think they they really look into finding victims who don't get to tell their stories. So they do a great job. Evil lives here. Moving on. Why Women Kill. So obviously Paramount Plus debuted since our last episode. I have obviously been diving in. And one of their originals, which I guess this show came out back in 2019, and it was a CBS Plus original, and now it's a Paramount Plus original. But Why Women Kill with Lucy Liu. 
This show is amazing. It's a Mark Cherry product. So Desperate Housewives, very much the same tone. It is just campy, corny, drama. It's delightful. It is so funny. Oh my gosh, Lucy Liu is doing some of her best work on this show. To me, it's wild because without if we didn't have this like era of streaming, Why Women Kill would have been like a broadcast network hit for like any network, ABC or NBC, if it had just been, you know, on regular broadcast television, it would have been a network hit. I could see it like on a Wednesday night with Ted Lasso. That would be my dream if it was like 2005 and that's how people still watch TV. But I am glad I found it. I watched the entire first season in like a day. That's how good it is. Wonderful cast. You got to check it out. I will say that alone made the Paramount Plus app pretty much worth it, at least worth it enough for a free trial. Just digging into the Paramount Plus app a little bit more, because obviously since it came out, I decided to dive right in into some classics. Uh, And I started, I decided I'm going to do a little breakdown in the newsletter of what makes Paramount Plus worth it, maybe not so worth it. But I've decided to do this like channel by channel within Paramount Plus. So I started with the Comedy Central shows. So just off the top, I'm not, you know, we can't, we can't have the watch list last an hour this episode, but I just did a quick overview of Review, Drawn Together, Ugly Americans. Uh, I also watched a ton of The State, which was MTV, but still comedy. Honestly, the Paramount Plus having all of these shows does make it pretty worth it. Ugly Americans holds up. Uh, I had recently tweeted a list of, of adult animated shows. And before the Paramount Plus came out, I paid for it on Amazon. I actually paid like $30 to watch the first season of Ugly Americans. Now I can just watch it on Paramount Plus. And it's it's good. It's great. It still holds up. Drawn Together? Who? I don't know how Comedy Central made the decision on like what was appropriate to put on this streaming platform in the year 2021 and what wasn't because some things aren't on there. Like I was looking for Stella. Stella is one of my favorite Comedy Central shows. I was like, oh my gosh, finally I can rewatch it. It's not on the app. Drawn Together is on the app. Drawn Together came out, gosh, I was 13 when Drawn Together came out. So I I don't know what 13 is. That's like seventh, eighth grade, something like that. 2004. When it came out, I remember watching it and being like, this is not good. And not in a way where it was like, oh, morally, this is bad. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing this. Because this is still the same time as like, I was watching South Park and loving it and like, family guy. So like, people were used to that tone. But I was just very much like, oh, this is the bad way of doing this. This is the way of of just being racist, but not being clever at all about it. You're just being racist and hoping that's enough for the joke. Like, you're just being transphobic, you're being homophobic, and that's the entire joke. It is still very hard to watch. I gave up after the... I I barely finished the pilot, but I, I do remember as a kid watching it and just being like, oh my gosh, this is... No, this is not even a clever. I'm glad that I had such good senses as a child. Review, obviously with Forrest McNeil. Review, still good, still amazing. It's one of my favorites to to rewatch when I'm down. I missed it. They took it off of Hulu because of everything moving to Paramount Plus. So again, you know, you got you got all your your favorites there. Ah, I also did Detroiters, rewatch Detroiters. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. You know, all of those just like really unseen Comedy Central shows. Idiot Sitter, that's another one. Time Traveling Bong, that like little mini series that Alana Glazer did. Those shows are all worth the Paramount Plus. Time Traveling Bong, I rewatched so good. I actually, I'll be writing a thing about sort of all of the stoner shows I've been talking about on Twitter. But Time Traveling Bong, I think I realized is the first stoner romantic comedy. Like it's the first show where people fall in love over weed and weed brings them closer together. It just also sucks that it is about cousins. That is the downside. <laughs> but still way funnier than I remember. Time Traveling Bong, if you don't remember, it's uh, Alana Glazer's like three-episode miniseries she did back in like 2016 for Comedy Central. It's way funnier than I remember. And I think Comedy Central didn't really promote it much. It kind of got buried because it was it was like around the time of people being very like white feminist Hillary Clinton, and it does have that vibe. But it actually is, is it deserves more. 
So after that, also on Paramount Plus, since it includes CBS, I did the Meghan and Harry interview, of course. I mean, that was that's Oprah. That is TV history. You got to watch an Oprah interview. I mean, Oprah gave us the moments we came for, right? She gave us the moments. She gave us the quotes. Who is having that conversation? That is an instant Oprah classic quotable. So I enjoyed it. Can't say anything new was revealed. I mean, the racists are racist. Like, yeah, of course. (laughs) Obviously, I stand with Meghan and Harry. Moving on, I also binged a ton of love games on Discovery+. Plus. I talk about this a bit with Kimberly, but Love Games is a 90 feet, 90 Day Fiance spinoff that's basically like newlywed game where they have the couples compete against each other and prove how well they know each other. But then they also like just throw in random trivia at some points where they're just like, how many states touch the Pacific Ocean? I don't know. It's just like, oh, but also how much American trivia do you know? Which doesn't even make sense because some of the couples on the other way, they live in other countries. But the biggest thing is that it's on Discovery Plus, so it can be incredibly graphic in a disgusting way. Because it's on Discovery Plus, it's like very mature adult rating because it's, I mean, I had to watch it and see it, so I'm going to share it with everyone listening on the podcast. There's like a part where Michael and Angela, Angela from Georgia, Michael from Nigeria, Michael goes into how his mother like breastfed him until he was like 11 years old or something. He's always just like loved sucking on mama's teats, tits. And then he's like, oh, yeah, with Angela, I'm always just right on her tits. And it's just the most difficult to watch thing I've ever seen. And then the other couples are just like doing their best to be like, ha yes, uh, you go, Michael. You love tits like your mom's, I guess. It is. It's television. It's definitely television. It might not be my favorite 90 Day Fiance spinoff. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of survivor 45 d Vyadaris, will be joining us every week we're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me a survivor winner listen to on fire the official survivor podcast wherever you get your podcast We also had a new episode of Shameless last weekend, came back from its odd clip shows that I was talking about. I've talked a ton about Shameless just because it is this final season and I could talk about Shameless all the time. But all I really want to say this last episode, I didn't really like it. It The the tone is off where the show is like, oh, we want to be, you know, intense and dramatic, but we also want to be a sitcom. The review on the AV Club that Miles did, I thought, actually hit at everything I, I thought and felt. He did a wonderful job with that episode. But I do just want to call out my favorite moment. My favorite part is just at the end. There's a part where Mickey is singing Rain on Me by Ariana Grande. And it's amazing. That character is carrying this entire final season on his back because he's the only reason worth watching. We also had the WandaVision finale. Again, I feel like everybody's been talking about it. Don't need to spend too much time here. It was amazing. Kimberly and I also get into it. I hope you stayed after the credits and watched those two secret scenes. Because I only stayed for one secret scene and then later found out there were two secret scenes. So that second secret scene, that one was the one I was like, oh my gosh. Obviously, on Twitter, I absolutely am a big fan of Vijan. 
they tried to make Vision white in the show, and clearly we were not having that. After that, we had Alan versus Pharaoh. Episode three of Alan versus Pharaoh was, I think, the best episode they've done yet. I think if you feel as though you already know a lot about this case and this series isn't worth watching it's in, in its entirety, this is the episode to sort of skip to because it gets into things that I didn't know that just kind of go into the details of the investigations that sort of on both sides people always point to. People who support Mia look at, you know, the custody judge's decision and people who support Woody look at what the, you know, Yale report has to say. And this really, I thought, does does a great job of just sort of breaking down the aspects of each report and what each one means and really what evidence was there. So it's hard to watch this episode and go, I feel good watching movies that this guy made. I let his movies go a long time ago, but I feel like this is uh, maybe what more people in the mainstream need to really see and understand and break down for there to be some sort of maybe larger reckoning. And finally, on the watch list, I did For Heaven's Sake, which is a Paramount Plus original documentary, eight episodes. It is about the disappearance of this guy years ago in like the 1930s in Canada. And his family, he was like in a cabin, and he just in the middle of the night disappears wearing like his finest outfit and a fedora. He left his keys in the door. He left a lamp burning all through the night and he left his door wide open and was never like seen again. Like he told a neighbor he was running to the store. No one ever saw him again. So it basically follows his ancestors, his great, great grandchild, I believe, as him and his friend try to uncover this mystery to see what happened to his relative. It mostly interviews people in the family. The guy doing the documentary is not like an investigative cop or anything. He doesn't really know what he's doing. I think he actually is a comedian who makes like comedy videos. So it's pretty charming so far. Uh, I've watched two episodes. I'm excited to kind of see where it goes. But I also am not sure that it is that compelling of a mystery that it will hold my interest for eight episodes. As you know, I tend to believe four episodes is the perfect amount for a documentary. So we'll see. But I'm sticking with it. And my pick of the week out of all of that, out of all that television I watch, what is my pick of the week? It's Why Women Kill. Really, you gotta watch Why Women Kill. It is so good. It is, oh my god. Like, I have missed Desperate Housewives. If you've missed that kind of just, like, fun to watch show, you gotta do it. It also just has an amazing cast. Kirby Howell Baptista, Alexandra Daddario, she's always, like, playing crazy ladies, and she does here too. Reed Scott, who I love from Veep. Oh, and Jennifer Goodwin, who is just, like the perfect innocent housewife. Anytime she plays a housewife, you're getting a good drama. Come on. You got to watch Why Women Kill. That's my pick of the week. That is the top of our show. Up next, I am so excited for my my wonderful, wonderful interview with one of my favorite people, Kimberly Drew. Welcome to TV I Say with Ashley Ray. I am so excited for today's guest, Kimberly Drew. One of my favorite writers, art curators, interviewers. I don't even know where to start with with your everything. Most recently, co-writer of Black Futures with Jenna Wortham. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited. Ah, I just, I've been following you for so long since the Tumblr days, since since everything. And just, I've, I've always wanted to talk to you, obviously, about TV and just how you define maybe for yourself Black television and what excites you about Black TV as someone who works in Black art spaces? Yeah, I mean, I would say that what excites me the most about Black television is actually you, Doreen St. Felix, Soraya McDonald, mm. Ayo, Z-Way, Amber Ruffin. Oh, uh, yeah. So happy her show is, is moving to, to, to the real channel. <laughs> Honey, it's it, time. Which- yeah, which it should have just started off as. It should have just been on NBC. Shout out to Amber. That show was a pick of the week on TV, I say. You got to watch the Amber Ruffin show. And they're finally moving it from Peacock, but it's still, you're you're running into that same issue of, well, why wasn't she given that chance originally? And now, like, her writers were paid less to be on Peacock, and now they have a network show. How does that work, you know? Well, it's, it's, so, it's so historic, actually, because I, I watch a lot of TV, but I almost never write about it but I did do this piece a few years ago that was about black sitcoms. And I got to interview Mara Brock Akil 
And Mara was talking about, especially in the early aughts, the way that shows like Girlfriends, One on One, the the show Eve had, the Parkers, those shows were utilized by networks to kick off new networks. So like UPN, for example, or even like CW, those shows, and also like any TV historian, please feel free to course correct me. But from what I remember, even as a TV viewer, it was like these incredible shows, completely under-resourced, but also we love them so much. But I think about it in that context where I'm like, it shouldn't keep happening, but there's also such a consistent track record of our voices, our creativity being utilized in this way that I'm not surprised. I'm just not surprised, I guess. Yeah, I think you you often see where the the kind of guinea pigs for these new forms of media with streaming platforms. It's, oh, I don't know if, you know, we want to have this Black show on NBC. It might not do well on primetime. But yeah, we'll try it on like the NBC streaming whatever dot slash dot com. And you can try watching it there. And now people actually watch streaming shows. But I think, you know, earlier you had Issa Rae coming against that. And for her, it was really successful. But I just always kind of look at these Black shows that that just aren't seen, that just get pushed to the kind of the periphery, and how that's what excites me is that we see that changing just because now there is no sort of spotlight. Like, you can just open any app, you can stream whatever you want. Uh, and I think a show like Betty, it's to me, it's it's wild to think of a show like Betty on HBO now. If you had told me, like, 10 years ago, like, oh, this, this network that does, like, The Sopranos is going to have this show about, like, Black girls who skateboard... I would be like, what? <laughs> this, this isn't a bunch of white girls in New York. What are we? Wow. I'd expect way more drugs. Yeah. Oh, way. Uh, that is one of the shocking things to me about Betty is that when you compare it with like Euphoria and all these other kind of like shows about kids that age, it is just so clean. It's just so like, oh, they're just really like having issues as like girls and friends. And how are they going to dig into that? Which I also kind of love to see more of. I feel like a lot of what I get sick of is we see a lot of the same stories when it comes to to Black people. So I'm kind of curious, what stories do you oh, Wait, feel Before we move forward, though, I think it's important to sit with that because there is a way that all of the characters in these, like, universes of young people might live alongside addiction, you know, which is not to say that Euphoria is not a useful, good, informative show, and not to say that Betty is over-sanitized. But I think about even Sopranos era or the Wire era and how different that is than what we're seeing now. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's what I love about it, I guess, is what makes me so excited about TV is that people say, oh, we've we've we're past peak TV. Like, oh, we there's too much TV. But to me, it's like, no, there's just more gold out there. Like there are no peaks. It's just like a giant Jackson Pollock painting of good things and um, things that are a mess, but are honestly still really fun to watch. Without that, we don't get shows like I May Destroy You. We don't get, you know, this kind of last season of Insecure, which to me was so experimental (laughs) in terms of what they wanted to do. They really took some risks that I think are going to be cool. And I'm excited to see this next season. But I feel like we go somehow from this, you know, what you what you explained with Mara Brock-Akeel, where Black shows are this sort of area of experimentation to now, where everyone is just like, there's no argument. I May Destroy is one of the best shows of the year. Insecure is one of the best shows of the year. People are excited about Black television, and there's more notoriety. But I feel like there's sort of a disconnect in that history and how we got there. Mm-hmm. And Amber Ruffin is a perfect example, because Amber is all over, all over every yeah. single one of those shows like hers. Yes. Been in the writer's rooms. And so it's very strange. It would be different to me if she were a personality that was found out in yeah. the wild or not. Nicole Byer is a terrible example. Someone like a Nicole or maybe even a Phoebe was brought in. But Amber's been doing this work. Exactly. The proof of, the, of yeah. like relevancy is there because look at the scripts. Yeah, she was one of the first people doing improv, like Black women doing improv in Nebraska. Like she, you know, moved to the second city in Chicago. She's doing it and you still see this thing where it's like Black people have to prove ourselves as storytellers and as writers and as comedians because we're still kind of seen as just like uh, like sprinkles on top in the writer's room. Like, you know, when they pa- when they post that photo of our writer's room, we just want to make sure we got like one or two Black people sprinkled in. <laughs> And obviously, we we still have issues to face, even with more shows getting acclaim. We see the Golden Globes basically snubbed every amazing Black show. What sort of issues do you think we still have to face? I mean, I think 
the argument of like Golden Globes to me kind of feels tired because I feel like we're at this point where it's like, why are we still arguing over white people's awards? We don't, that, that type of a claim doesn't matter to me. But obviously there are still frustrations. You want that work to be appreciated and seen. Yeah, I mean, it's hard right now. I really would be lying to say that I give a shit about the Golden Globes or any of those things. But I also like, that's the thing that's weird about the intersections that I find myself in because I really love the fashion of the Golden Globes. So I'll watch it, but I don't watch the show. Like I watch the runways and study them relentlessly, but what actually happens, it doesn't concern me as much. But what does make me think a lot right now, and maybe maybe we shouldn't talk about it in a public setting. Like maybe we can reserve a private time to talk about it. Cause I feel like that about it, but even like seeing Billy behind you, that film. <laughs> oh, that film. <laughs> oh, that film, that film and, and her winning for it. And the whole event. And, and like, I'm the same way. Like I am not someone who's like, Oh, the golden globes are like an important tracker of TV history. Like, I don't think five years from now, we're going to look back and go, Oh, well, with, when that show won that golden globe, that was like a marker in history that, but you know, I don't think that happens. I think we're just kind of like, it's cute. Jason Sudeikis wore a hoodie. Let's move on. But- <laughs> I love Jason Sudeikis in that hoodie. I was like, yeah. I know that we shouldn't award this or whatever. Yeah. There's some sort of critique in here, but I was yeah, like, something, I but- feel it. <laughs> no, I was like, this, yeah, this is my mood. Like I have just been in my hoodie looking stoned as hell, depressed. You got me, Jason. And that to me is like what I look for in those moments when I watch. I just feel like obviously these things don't really matter. We're not going to look back on them and say, hey, this defined and changed history. But I just also don't know what else there is. I don't know how else I get like a mainstream, mainstream people to go, oh, I'm going to check out I May Destroy You and not Emily in Paris. That's where I, I feel like there's still sort of a disconnect between mainstream media and how Black creators are treated. I mean, I don't even think it lies on the Black creators, though. If we do the I May Destroy You versus Emily in Paris conversation, it's really just like a matter of how the money moves. Yeah, exactly. It actually, for me, would be more interesting to compare property like Hentified to Emily in Paris. Yeah, which I mean, when you, I I did an interview uh, with, goodness, I cannot remember his name. He did Hair Story. Oh, with Matthew. No, Hair Story. No, not Hair Love. Justin Simeon. Okay, thank you. (laughs) No, Hair Story. um, you're gonna have to help me out, boo. <laughs> yeah, not hair story. Oh my god, bad hair. Oh my god. Okay, Justin. Wait, Simeon. not the the horror movie. Yeah, the horror movie. Child. Yeah. Not on the internet. Not on not on Toni Morrison's internet. Are we gonna discuss that? No, I we this is TV club. We do not need to discuss bad hair. But uh, in the interview with him that I you did, see how I forgot that it was even called that. Like I've moved. So did I. So I was literally past like- it. But I was like, what could you possibly be talking? I, about? I was like hair hair, and then I was like. Dear white people, oh my, I, I, I've interviewed so many people from the show, but he was talking about how Netflix will just have such a hard time focusing their media budgets for different shows and that he had to fight and struggle for Dear White People's media budget. And he only was able to do that because he had a background in advertising. But then Hentified had also faced that same problem where the, you know, Netflix didn't know how to promote it or who to promote it to. And they would only promote it to Spanish speakers because they didn't think white people would want to watch this. And so it kind of got left on the back burner and I'm glad it got a second season, but it's one of those things where people still haven't heard about it. And you can't tell me people would have heard about Emily in Paris if, if everyone wasn't hate watching it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing with, so I used to work at the Met and the Met Gala, for example, it was wild to watch how the stars of certain Netflix shows, like I just kind of like, I would do all this prep, right? Because I have, I'm a very hardcore TV person. I am not a film person. I would never pretend to be a film person. I can't talk to people about movies. So something like the Met Gala is really hard because it's a lot of movie famous people. So I'm doing all this prep to make sure I don't mix up another brunette. And then I also always knew I had to track what Netflix was doing because they would inevitably send some young stars to the Met Gala to start their like PR push. So when the cast from the get down came, and no one knew who these kids were. It was just so interesting to see <sighs> yeah. that really complicated machine kind of churning. And this is way before Strong Black Lead, way before Jasmine, who yeah. I also love and makes me oh, love yeah. TV even more. 
was doing yeah, all of and, the Lord's work. Yeah, this was back when I was writing articles begging streaming platforms to pick up shows like Girlfriends and Living Single. And Jasmine, she's the one who did that work to say, look, people want this. The viewership mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. And and so it's just that frustrating thing where it's like we get the two steps forward. They realize we got to have this. And then it's just, I don't, it's just a constant like one step backward where it's like, oh, we get Lovecraft Country. Oh, they use blackface. <laughs> And it's like, I don't know oh, if that's not- a step back. I don't know if that's a step back. I guess for me, the step back is the people making the work and the art. How are they questioning themselves, and what type of things are they promoting that are you know hindering or helping? And so, with then it's love- a question of who is stepping forward. That's the yeah. thing. I'm like, all y'all motherfuckers are stepping forward. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a step back because you haven't interrogated history enough to know what you're stepping forward with. That's it. Yeah. It's that I, I feel like there's this rush to for representation where stories that aren't people just haven't really done the homework. They haven't done all the homework. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's what comes across. And there are Netflix examples, but I'll focus on Lovecraft just because of the recent controversy of, of them darkening the skin of a, of a light skinned actress. And then also for me, the biggest thing was the Emmett Till episode of the show. That Emmett Till episode I was just like, this is the most not all Black people know what the hell they are talking about when it comes to art and culture and TV and history. And some people just should not do this. Well, because also because not even not even in a position to process it, but just don't know it. You know, like when you were saying that, I was thinking so much about the thing that I struggled with Lovecraft, which I loved and don't love any less was just that they were playing with so many things at once that we don't know about. Big, bold, black, we don't know about. And the way that they're teasing with it was almost like elitist in this way that I found to be really not useful, which is why I struggled so much with the Hippolyta episode. Oh, yeah. I struggled. Struggled is a good way to put it. I... (laughs) I just remember when I finished, I that was one of the episodes I watched when I decided I didn't want to write about it. I wanted to just watch Lovecraft and experience it because I didn't want the pressure of trying to break it down and dissect it every week because I thought maybe they'll explain some of this in the end, which they didn't always do. But that in particular, where I just felt at times the show was like, yeah, we want to address colorism and be real about it. And then an episode like that happens and I just am like, what thread, who, where did this come from? What, I just, I need a behind the scenes here. I need a director's cut just explaining every decision made. No, I really felt like, you know, that there's this little video, I think it was from like a live that Cardi B did. And she's like, what was that? You know, like I literally was watching it like, what was that? What (laughs) What was that? What was that? Why why did she, because I'm like. With the shoe? With the. I have a degree in African-American studies. I worked very hard for it. I also was like raised in a family that was like, we're reading this, we're looking at this, we're doing all this. So from that position, there's so much of Lovecraft that I was educated around and could comprehend and process, which is not to privilege formal education, but just to say, I kind of understood contextually some of the things they were grabbing at. Hippolyta, I was confused as fuck. Yeah, I was confused as fuck about what the fuck they were talking about. Every other thing I was like, okay, well, at least I understand like the context of this relationship within history and how that connects with, you know, Chicago at this time period. And then that episode, I was just like, wait a second. So wait, (laughs) you think if this woman had the ability to turn into a white woman, this is what she would do. (laughs) And the wait, wait, (laughs) I just, I don't know. I think to me, Lovecraft is maybe the perfect example of this like current moment for Black TV where there is so much promise and so much talent, and we're so excited about it, and we want to watch it and cheer for it. And then it's also just like, wait, 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 maybe you're doing too much. We don't need to, every Black show doesn't need to pick up on every Black politic. And let's just, let's just narrow in our focus. Let's edit. TV, I MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Did you watch Quantum Leap? I did it. Oh, okay. Can you watch like a little bit of Quantum Leap and then let's talk about Hippolyta because it was that. It was very that yeah. show. And Quantum Leap, because it, it's interesting because you said, well, I think that maybe you were talking about, because there's a sister who like takes the potion and is white and then there's Hippolyta. Yeah. Who's the child's mom. But okay. she, But she doesn't ever become white too, right? No, she like time travels. I when she's time traveling, I was like, wait a second. Okay, yes, I got this mixed up. I when no, she's no, no, time no traveling because they could have done that, but I just wanted yeah. to. Yeah, when she's time traveling, I was like, this is what you think this woman would do when she's time traveling. She would just like leave her kid, and she's just like, I was like, wait, why is she going to Paris? Why is she doing any of this just for funsies? And then they're just all of a sudden, they also never make sense of like how she does get the thing in her arm so she can do it whenever she wants. But then all of a sudden they're like, she can't do it whenever she wants. So it's like an unclear understanding of like how the powers work. But then it also tries to be this moment of like, no, we're empowering this black woman by giving her this ability. It all just, yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, isn't she so free? And you're like, well, and then I was (laughs) trying to struggle because, okay, so she first goes to kick it with Josephine Baker, which is yeah. cool. Fine. We know Josephine Baker. We've been educated on a like multicultural level or like yeah. multi multi-leveled cultural level about Josephine Baker. Cute. Yeah. I feel like even in US history, like we have white schools, people are like, oh, Josephine Baker, she was the the you know black lady who went to France because they were nicer to her there. Like even everybody is like, okay, I get this lesson, what I'm supposed to learn here. Right. Got it. Let's go right. to the like next very- one. Even like the first level were there. And then I forget where else she all goes, but there's one, pl- where's one scene where she's like a warrior. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell story is this? <laughs> the, what upset me about that one is that she like goes to this African tribe and she like trains with them for, I guess, months, years even, because I mean, she gets really good. And I don't think that happens quickly. And she, like, becomes their strongest warrior. She's like, I'm your baddest bitch. I got you guys. As they ride into battle, she just, like, disappears. Where did she go, Where bro? She... And Where I'm just did like, she go? I'm just like, I'm I feel mad. like, yeah. I'm like, she kind of left them in some shit. Like, she started all this shit, got them all hyped. Like, I got you. We're going to fight these guys. But the whole time she knew she could just leave. <laughs> but then I'm also like, is that a real story? Yeah. So just to circle back. Okay, so I know about Josephine. I know, you know, I'm all here with the sci-fi. Let's go do the woo-woo. Nicole, Nichelle, or what's her name? Nichelle Nichols. All the way back. I'm with it, Diane Carroll. I'm all the way back. Yeah. I'm in it with y'all. But then when you reference something I've never seen in my in my black ass yeah, life, just I'm confused. I'm confused. And I want a footnote. Yeah, and it's like I want to tie it to okay, I guess she also goes to the future with the black female god. So it was a literal just deus ex machina where she's just, I have this magic time traveling ability to go to alien space with my dead husband. And that's also when they do the, they have the like monologue playing of black speeches and poets as they're on Mars or whatever. And I think this is what is currently being held up as like a standard for what the like black future TV should look like and what black sci-fi should look like. And I just don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so either. Yeah. So what what else are you watching right now? If I'm being completely honest with you, I started a show called Seven Year Oh no, Seven Year Switch. Ooh. It's the woman who used to be on Married at First Sight. Okay. She started her own show. And I did not it, know this. Honey, 
the true, you want to talk about streaming, like searching a streaming platform is what I do <laughs> as an Olympic sport. So basically it's these four couples and all the couples are for some reason, like struggling in their marriage and they haven't all been together for seven years, but the seven year itch is like this thing in marriage counseling. They switch up all the couples and pair them basically with a person who is more like who they wish their partner was like. What? So it's a little temptation Island. It's a yeah. little married at first sight and it's a whole lot of chaos. What is this on? This sounds so perfectly messy. It used to be A&E, but now it's on. Oh, Hulu. okay. So it's probably also in the discovery plus app. There's so many different apps now. Probably. I'm going to find it, yeah. but I'll I also send you a link to it. It's kind of actually really good, which I hate to say, but it's true. I mean, that's all I like. I obviously I watch every version of 90 Day Fiance and I am just like binging love games and single life. And I'm just like, this is not hitting it anymore. Wait, what's love games? Love games is basically like 90 Day Fiance newlyweds and the couples from like every version of the show go up against each other to like see who knows each other best. But because. Shut up. Yeah, and it's on Discovery Plus, which means they can get super X-rated, very X-rated, like graphic descriptions of Michael explaining how he was breastfed until he was 11. So that's why he is always time to suck on Mama Angela's tits. And I was like, this should not have been recorded. This was... No. no. Even hearing any... So I like... I wasn't, as you know, because that was when we, I feel like, first started talking about TV. I was a hardcore 90-day person. Yeah. And then I read someone's essay and it ruined it for me. And now I like have this visceral reaction to all of the data that I have fully embedded in myself after watching literal hours of the show. Yeah. Oh my God. I could never watch that. I, I love Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk was like kind of where I left. Yeah. I feel like that's why they made 90 Day the other way because that one kind of got around a lot of the people who were like, oh, it's gross to see these Americans like using people from other countries. So they were like, oh, we'll go the other way and send Americans to other places. But this current season, there's this woman, Stephanie, and she is dating this Black man from Belize who is 21. She is 50-something. And obviously, she, like, goes there. Immediately, it, like, blows up. There's just a mess. They fight. He, like, is like, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. And she immediately just, like, calls his cousin up and is like, okay, your turn. You come and, like, just fuck me. And then I'll bring you to America. And she, it's just the most blatant thing of that that issue people have with 90 Day where they're like, oh, this is just, like, white women basically just using young black eyes as sex slaves that they can bring to America. And this, she's just been the hardest person to watch. Cause it's just like, here's every issue people have with this show. Just. But the real talk though, is like, we can be really frustrated with Angela, right? She was, she's the one who's a Trump supporter, right? Yeah. Angela is the Trump supporter with her Nigerian fiance, Michael. Right. So we can be angry at Angela or we can be angry at Paul, or we can be angry at whatever. But it's actually one of those things where it's like, it's the system that's really hard to keep watching 90 Day at this point, because there's also some, even watching, not Alexi, the one who's like Moldovan. Oh, oh yeah, Andre, Dre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a mess. Separate, a mess, blah, 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 blah. oh yeah. But you can see the fear in his eyes when he talks about the truth of his situation and the real issue is actually the Im- immigration system. Yeah. Right. Where we don't talk enough about the trauma of immigration and migration to then be able to do all the rest of this, like whatever. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the fun falling in love and Oh my gosh, planning a wedding when half the time there's Hazel on the current season and she has a son who's still back in her home country and she's dealing with like COVID in America and quarantine while also being afraid for her kids back home And then at the same time, the show is like, but isn't the most interesting thing that you and your fiance have an open relationship? Let's get into that. (laughs) And it's like, no, she's like, let's talk about her son and the fear that she probably has being in this new country. Like what? So what about anything else? I I know you were tweeting about Ginny and Georgia, which (laughs) I kind of just want to talk about because I can't believe I watched all of it. So I just need a witness to what I experienced. You know, I feel like with Ginny and Georgia, though, before we talk about it, we have to have like an offline conversation about family lineages because it is so hard to watch. And I have one other friend I talked to about it, but that's it. Yeah. (laughs) 
I was like, I'll tweet a bit. I made fun of the high school scenes were so, to me, written by like 40-year-old adults who were like, I read a Time magazine that says the kids don't like Adderall anymore. <laughs> and when they have the band Oh my God, the, the song, Adderall songs. Adderall brain. That's what I was like, okay, I have to make fun of this. My yeah. brain's on Adderall. Maybe that's what I was just... Adderall. That's what I was just like, what does this show... Who... What message... I liked Ginny because I will say I think we should celebrate horrible Black women in media. I think that we should have that diversity. And she was the worst. She was awful as a character. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that so strongly in some ways. Like, I think a lot about how much permission we grant certain people to be terrible or how we expect certain people to be terrible and don't ever challenge them on it. Like, for example, I watched The Bachelor this season and watching those girls cape for Victoria Yeah, on the tell-all, I was like, this is symptomatic of a larger discussion we need to be having. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. You, are, you a, are you in the nation? <laughs> I am now, as of this season. I had never really watched it before. Uh, I worked with a girl when I was at The Onion. I worked with a girl who was on it. And I guess she was on, like, a few seasons. Like, I guess she's one of the people that, like, comes back or something. She was on Bachelor in Paradise. I don't even know. So when I worked with her, I would sometimes watch. And then I was just kind of like, this is all weird. Like, she would tell me all the the behind-the-scenes stuff about how all these girls have to, like, pay for their own dresses and makeup and everything and, like, go into debt just to be on the show. And I was like, I can't do this. And then everyone was like, well, you got to do the new one because it's, like, Black Bachelor. So I've started and I'm... I'm trying to, I'm trying. Part of me feels like maybe I missed the boat. Maybe it just, I don't know. You just can't watch it alone, I think. I think that's maybe it. I feel like if I had like a a root, like a party of people and we were drinking and making fun of it, I'd be into it. But I'm just sitting here alone. Like, so why are they doing this? (laughs) Yeah. No, I have a group chat where we like check in. How you watched? These are some of the wild things. Here are some of the memes. This is how it relates to this person's astrology. Because you need all that. Okay, so yeah, that is the context I need. Because I'm just like, don't you have homes you want to go back to? Like, is this worth it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I loved the show Unreal. So I always feel like I just want to watch, like, the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm always like, show me the nitty gritty, like, producers manipulating you to say this. That's what my mind focuses on. Yeah. I'm probably not going to do Unreal until I'm, like, 90. I have a liberal arts education. Like, things are already hard to enjoy. So... <laughs> Like, I'm not, I'm not inviting any more critical thinking into my safe space. Yeah, that's, I, I, I've taken a break from so many shows that require you to think. I'm just like, I'm sorry, that has to wait. I was gonna do a rewatch of The Americans, and then I was just like, why would I put my brain through that right now? That's not, Mm -hmm. that's not where I need to be. But the person who's, who did, I didn't watch The Americans, but the person who did The Americans is now doing Kindred, Octavia Butler. yeah. Do you feel good about that? I feel good about it. I really do. I love the Americans. I thought it was really well done. I think they're going to do a great job. But I I think so. But honestly, Lovecraft made me just scared of Black (laughs) sci-fi. Yeah, no. Yeah. And then I just watched six, all six seasons of Drop Dead Diva. Oh, wow. That is, that's a classic. What brought you to Drop Dead Diva? Classique. Because... I have watched everything else. <laughs> yes, I, I say that like I'm not currently like rewatching The State from 1994. Like, <laughs> Yes, because simply we have reached a point because... where we have watched everything else. And yeah. I first was watching it to be like, oh, I'm going to hate watch this. And then by season two, I was like, low key, this is amazing. No, it's good. Yeah, I loved it back in the day. Does it still hold up? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it has everybody. But almost like the way that Law and Order has everybody. But imagine it just queer and trans. Yeah. Because you have Candace Kane, You have Lakin from fucking Sabrina as a kid. Everybody but RuPaul was on that show. Yeah. I'm trying to like remember the cultural context of like why I feel like it just didn't get as much credit as it was due. It was kind of like insatiable. Yeah. But it wasn't. And it's yeah. wild to think that Insatiable came after that show. Yeah. Because it's doing all the violence everyone thought Drop Dead Diva was doing. Yeah, that's true. 
Not that Dropping Diva is not doing some of that violence, but Insatiable's way worse. Way worse. Oh my God. I completely forgot about Insatiable. I 100%. I'm going to maybe try to revisit that. I just love watching old shows. Yeah, no, it's really good. Paula Abdul plays a judge for like in a recurring way. Wendy Williams is on it. Right. Oh my gosh. Everybody's on it. And then it's funny too, because I somehow for the first time in probably four months have had 35 minutes of conversation with someone without mentioning that I watched Drag Race. (laughs) (laughs) So that's progress for any friends who are listening. Look at me go. I feel so bad because I have not been watching the latest season either. I dropped at like all of the current Drag Race. I'm not watching it because I just was like, I was like, I started too late. And then I was just, everyone's already, already talking about the later episodes. And then I was like, I'll just wait for the season to end. I just feel like I missed out. And now I'm like, I either have to like dedicate a full weekend to catching up or I just wait and I just avoid all of the threads about it. And I just don't look at my phone. (laughs) Well, depending on your, what you need on your weekends right now, this weekend is a perfect weekend to do that. Yeah. Because the U S season one is they put in like three extra episodes in a way that we're never going to be done. Yeah. And that's what I, I think I started to feel like my friend was like, well, they put in extra episodes and I was like, so this is like an extra long season. I, I can't catch up now. I'm just, I'm lost. I'm behind. I just, you can parade. honestly, you can skip the first two. Okay. Hop right in. We are only at Snatch Game. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know why I'm acting like this is not a show. You can just, you can't just jump in. Like, I don't know the, <laughs> the no, but format it's, you know of the it's show. Better. If you actually watch the show, you know it's better to actually watch it. Yeah, of course. You know, I I, I never get, I never say people should jump around as a TV purist, but mm. are you really? Oh yeah, I, with, except with like sitcoms. With sitcoms, I'm like, there's no reason to like sit and watch Bob's Burgers from beginning to end, or like Thirty Rock or something like that. Like you can just kind of jump in with whatever story interests you or guest appearance. Mm-hmm. But like for most shows, I am a strict watch it from the beginning. Don't jump around. Like if I'm going to recommend enlightened to someone, I'm going to be like, you got to all the way through. Come on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then some reality shows, like, I don't know, even 90 day fiance, obviously I'm like, that should be watched in a very specific way. And most people are like, no, Ashley, that's bullshit. It's trash TV. And you can just jump in wherever you want. You cannot just jump in on 90. Thank you. Thank you. Period. That no, no, you just want to enjoy. I mean, you could, you could enjoy it. Yeah. But you're but not going to, you won't get it. Yeah, you won't be like, oh, I know the full story of, like, Paul bringing this woman from Brazil. And, like, no, it's, yeah. Especially Paul and Karini alone, period. Yeah, they're the couple Colty, that I'm starting with. and that whole harem of women. I don't even know if that's an offensive word to use. But that whole group of women in his orbit, his mother, his ex, and the new woman. And the I'm sure woman. there's probably a new woman already. Oh, yeah. And then all the other women laterally that he was dating. You will not get it if you don't Anywhere. watch yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And he's on Single Life now, trying to, like, date all these other women. It, ooh, it is my favorite mess to watch, but it is also so hard to watch. Not gulpy. Yeah. But is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything you want to to get the people interested in? You got anything that you're excited about coming out? Any shows you're excited about that are coming out? I'm a little excited about Generation or Jenna. People don't seem to know how to say it. It's the new HBO show that's like Generation Plus or Gen Plus Ration. The Lena Dunham produced Answer to Euphoria, I guess. I'm good. I'm also really good in general on very glossy shows. I did not watch I May Destroy You yet. I did not watch the new Euphoria yet. I haven't watched It's a Sin yet. I haven't watched We Are Who We Are yet. I didn't didn't do that one yet. New Betty yet. And not because I don't respect and appreciate them, but just like I'm in a very different phase with the exception of MCU shows. Yeah. I mean, WandaVision, come on. That was a must watch. I I was in kind of the same mood. I did It's a Sin and that just like drained me. I was like migraine sobbing and I was like, I can't, I got to take a break. But WandaVision, that was just incredible. I'm I'm not a big MCU person, never really watched any of the movies, did not know what was going on half the time, but they still pulled me in. Yeah. Did you finish? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Devastating. Yeah, devastating. Anna's obviously very excited about whatever's going to happen with Monica. Didn't entirely understand that little, like, secret scene at the end, but I Googled it. Seems like it's going to be good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wait, do they have, they have, 
after the credits for the oh yeah show. there's two after credit scenes two Shut after up. credit scenes yeah oh i watched it and i watched the first one and i was like oh my god and then i like ran to my friend who understands this stuff and i was like hey what is going on with this show and she was like you know there's two after credit scenes oh you got to go back and watch because the other one is way more intense than the first one wait on which episode the finale the finale has two afters two afters yeah i can't believe okay oh my god i, I can't because i'm i'm in it deep and i just was like you know what they probably don't have it stupid i mean i didn't know that was a thing the mcu did so i was just watching the whole season and then the credits would come and i was turning it off and my friends were like ashley you stupid idiot you're missing the show <laughs> no that's that's yeah no it's literally like what's the opening for untucked <laughs> like you're not watching untucked you're only getting half of the story Sorry. no i'm i'm a big mcu person and i and i genuinely turn it off when the credits start so don't feel bad but i'm really ready sorry to answer your question i'm really ready for loki oh yeah I am so excited for that. Yeah. Because I'm way more here for villains than heroes. Yeah. I'm so just ready for, I don't know, anti-heroes to come back. Now that we like have all this diversity and representation, let's just go full evil again. Mm-hmm. No, truly relentless evil. I mean, because we're living in evil times, let's get into it. Like, I want to know more from like a Harley Quinn character, which I also really love. Animated oh, love Harley Quinn. Yeah. So good. Don't miss it on HBO Max. Don't miss it. But that's way more interesting to me than Captain America. Like, I don't need that. Although, we do have to show up for Anthony Mackie. Yes. Black Captain America, I know to show up for that. I don't know much about all those super, but I know Black Black Captain America, I'm there. (laughs) So, I'm so happy you've been on the show. I I feel like we've talked about everything I wanted to talk about, which is just so much TV. I feel like I could just talk to you forever. I mean, I still want to ask you about Poe's ending. I still want to... I know. Ugh. That just, I honestly, I'm happy about it because I feel like Ryan Murphy needs strict endings to stay good. Because if it just kept dragging out, I just feel like it might get messy the way his shows do. So I'm happy about it. But I'm also just like, why three seasons and why a shortened season? I'm sad about it. I'm still, I'm still not ready to process it. I'm just very sad. I think at this point. Yeah, I think that's, that's all we can say at this point. Just very sad. I will watch and sob our eyes out. It just makes me afraid that they're going to, like, kill everyone. Like, if you only have a shortened season, I'm just, I just think it's going to be just make everybody sob every moment of the last season. That's what I am afraid Ryan Murphy will do. No, no, no. I don't think, because the thing about it is at the end of the day, one, there's an entire universe of people that work on the show, so that could never happen. But also, Ryan Murphy has his shows where he can kill his characters. True. Like, gratuitously. So oh, yeah. That is his American Horror Story fantasy. He, he has plenty of space to do that. Right. Like, Ratchet, he worked through some stuff. We <laughs> oh, he got get... it out of his system with Ratchet. I really do. <laughs> right. We don't need to see it in other properties. Hollywood did some things there. We don't need to see in other properties. So mm. I'm curious about what it will look like. But I'm also just kind of, like, removed from what it actually is. I'm going to miss it so much culturally. Yeah. Um, which is not to divorce it from all, like all those things are true, but I really, 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 really will miss looking forward to a new season of that show. Yeah. That's the one that I just love being on Twitter to talk about with people. That's the one that I just, I just we used to have like our insecure tweet nights where everybody could just talk about it. And Pose for me was the one where it's like, everyone's crying together. We're getting angry together. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so anything else? Obviously, people should pick up Black Futures. Your book came out in December. And then should people just follow you on Twitter to get all these amazing TV opinions, see what you're watching? I mean, honestly, that's the only place I'm talking about TV. But as you know, I like had to start DMing you because I was like, I just need to talk about yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just have to really find more people and places to talk about TV because it is such a deep cardinal love of mine. So I appreciate you taking, you know, the time to talk to me in this venue and yeah, I could talk to you for like another four hours. Yeah. I'm literally just like, we could just keep going. Like I, (laughs) but thank you. So that's why I started TV. I say, I just love talking to people about TV and it's something that I know people talk about in really superficial ways and there's so much to get into. So thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of TVSA with Ashley Ray. We'll obviously be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, 
feel free to follow me on my new Twitter account at the Ashley Ray, the with two E's. Or subscribe to our newsletter, ashleyray.substack.com. It's the TVSA newsletter. You can get access to the watch list in your inbox. Uh, If you hate my voice, you can get access to transcripts of the episode so you can read about it if you're not a podcast person. Although if you are, you probably aren't, you know, listening to this. If you're not a podcast person, you probably haven't made it to this part of the episode. There's a lot of perks. Uh, we also have the TVISA Patreon where you can officially join the TVISA club. Uh, you can tell me what shows you want to watch. We can chit chat about TV shows. You can watch TV shows with me on some live streams. It's a good time. So any way you want to support the podcast, we got a lot of ways you can do it. But at the very least, you know, I love it when you rate and review. If you listen, I always just love a rate and review or just keep listening. That always warms my heart too. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week. The TV I Say theme song was made by Rafia Santana, and our artwork was created by Chastity Hyman. TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode.